Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. You would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 13, so you can find that. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. But first, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we study Your Word together, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher, to be our guide, to enlighten us, to instruct us, to direct our hearts, and to quicken us according unto the Word of the living God. I thank you, dear Father God, for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer and giving me utterance in the Holy Ghost, thinking through my thoughts and speaking through my lips, that I may effectively communicate, dear Father God, your will and your desire to each and every one of us. And Father, for all that's achieved among us, we'll be quick to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Last Wednesday evening, I began a teaching entitled, Living in God's Realm. Living in God's Realm. And we discussed that God is love. Not that He has love, but that God is love. And, of course, the Greek word there for love is, is agape, agape love. God is agape. And, of course, that means divine love. It's love that goes beyond human scope. It's a love that's above human knowledge and even experience apart from regeneration. So, in other words, without being a born-again child of God, we would never have this love and never understand this love and never operate in this love. But thanks be to God, He has given birth to us and invites us to come and live in this realm of love with Him. And that's really what living in God's realm is all about. It's not all about just spiritual gifts and spiritual manifestations in faith. It's all about living in the realm of divine love. And so we want to continue this teaching. And I want to bring out once again in this verse, verse 13, that love is the greatest power in the universe. Love is the greatest force in all the world. It says right here, Now abides faith, hope, charity, which is agape, which is divine love. These three, but what's the greatest of these three? Charity which really is agape. Well, we can show you that through other scriptures. In Galatians 5 and 6, you don't have to turn to it. You can just write it down. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and 6 that faith which worketh by what? By love. Faith which worketh by love, agape. In other words, without love, faith won't work. So therefore, faith depends on love to find its energy. And so without love, faith cannot work. So love is greater than faith. And then, of course, what about hope? Well, faith gives substance to what we hope for, doesn't it? So faith is greater than hope, isn't it? Because without faith, hope will never have any substance. But thank God our faith can give substance to the things that we hope for and we can experience them in life because of our faith. In other words, faith will take the unrealities of hope and bring them into this realm of reality in which we live right now. So that's why it's, it's important to understand these different forces. Charity, which is divine love, faith, and hope. So faith is greater than hope, and, and of course, charity or divine love is greater than faith. So the greatest force in all the world is what? Love, divine love. 
And that love goes above and beyond human scope and understanding. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, and I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible, it says this, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Notice this love. Not human love, but divine love. The God kind of love. Make it your aim, your great quest. In other words, make divine love your aim. That is what we should be targeting in our spiritual lives. And make it your great quest. If I want to conquer anything, it should be to walk and live in the realm of God's divine love. Remember, if I hook up with the greatest force in all the universe, then I'm going to experience the benefits of living by that force. And that greatest force, of course, is God's love. Every child of God is to make the pursuit of love, agape love, divine love, his great aim and highest quest in life. That's where we should be expending all of our energies as a believer, as a Christian, to discover how I can grow and develop in agape love. Now, sometimes we think, well, I've heard the message on love. I know what it says, and therefore, let's go on to something else. But let me just illustrate our need to learn more about this love and develop more in this love by sharing this. When we think in terms of love, we're limited to our own finite understanding. We actually think that we love to the limit, let's say, when we love our family, our wives, our children, etc. But once again, that's limiting ourselves to our own understanding of what natural love is all about. God's love goes beyond natural human love. And God Himself needs to be understood if we are going to understand how we can live in that same realm with Him. When we think in terms of love, once again, we are limited. God is love, and that means God is 100% pure love, or God is absolute love. And absolute love meaning love without anything or anything contrary to love. See, it's hard for us to relate to that because we don't think in absolute terms. Another example. Zero supposedly means zero. But if zero really meant absolute zero, or if it meant the complete absence of heat, you can look it up in Webster's, you'll find out that it really means minus 459.69 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty cold, wouldn't you say? To get to the place where there is the absence of heat, that's a hypothetical figure, by the way, it would take at least that temperature. That's hard for us to relate to. Because to us, zero is zero. But absolute zero means the total absence of heat. Well, God is love, and in God there's not one degree of anything contrary to divine love. Now, I don't know where you're operating at in love, and I I guess I know where I'm operating at in love to a degree. But I really believe there's room for improvement in all of our lives if you consider the fact that we can operate in absolute love. Can you see why this should be our highest aim and greatest quest? Now, listen to this. In order for us to live in absolute love, we have got to give of ourselves. We have many degrees of self left after we get saved. Did you realize that? That's what I'm saying. We've got many degrees of self left after we get saved. We got saved and we thank God for the life of God that's on the inside of us, but still we have our own will and still we have our own selfish ways. Well, how much of that are we willing to give up so that we could begin living in the realm of God? which is the realm of love. See, we've got to bring Him into the realm of understanding because if we can't understand it, then we can't live in it. 
And so God is love, and that helps us understand, you know, what God is. God is love. And if we would just begin to learn that we can grow more in this love by diminishing or decreasing in self and replacing self with love, we're replacing self with God. Can you see that? Now, last Wednesday night, for those of you who were not here, I believe this with all of my heart. You won't get Christians to do anything unless you first tell them about the benefits thereof. Did you know that? How many of you know that's true? What's in it for me? God spoke to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty One. I want you to live uprightly before me and walk in my ways. And he said, what's in it for me? That's what Abraham said. What do you give me if I do this? Well, basically, that's how we are. That's part of the thing we've got to get rid of. But anyhow, in answer to the question, go back and get the tape from Wednesday night, and you'll find out walking and living in divine love, which is living in God's realm, will open up the door to God's richest and greatest blessings. Beyond anyone's wildest dreams, beyond anyone's ability to imagine... I really believe it enables God to do for us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the miracle-working power of God's love that's efficiently active in every one of our lives. And so you get that tape and you'll have some incentive, you'll have some motivation to begin to learn more about God's divine love and begin living in that realm. And then slowly but surely you'll find yourself decreasing and God increasing in you. But you see, we've got to be willing to give out before we can take in. We're like that ball we talked about full of hot air. In order to get more in, you've got to let some out. Once it's filled to capacity. Let some out and that's self and put more of God in. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, I want you to understand also that God is light. And when we think in terms of light, we think, well, I see light. What's brighter than the noonday sun? Well, there is something brighter than the noonday sun. And if there's something brighter than the noonday sun, that means that the noonday sun does not mean absolute light. Because there is a degree of darkness there, even though it's one of the brightest things you can look at. For God said Himself, if you saw my glory, you won't live. True. So when the Bible says God is light and in Him is no darkness at all, it's speaking in terms of absolute. God is absolute light. There's not one degree of darkness in God. We're told to walk in the light as He is in the light. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. And so, once again, we understand that God is absolute. He's absolute life. He's absolute light. He's absolute love. We are hooked up with Him, and He wants us to, to come up and live with Him in that realm. But in order to do so, we've got to be willing to release some of self, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And I believe the more we deny self, the more we get of God. The less we deny self, the less we experience of God. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 7 and 8, we have the revelation that God is love. But let's read those two verses together. 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. That's the epistle of John, the first epistle of John, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God... And everyone that loveth is born of God. He that loveth not, or, or, I'm sorry, and knoweth God. Notice this verse. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. In order to know God, we've got to know love because God is love. And when the Christian begins to learn about this new kind of love, this agape love, this divine love of God, and begins to practice this kind of love, denying self and replacing that self-denial with the love of God, that person better knows God. He knows God a whole lot better, in other words. 
Now notice the next verse. He that loveth not, in other words, the one who's not practicing agape, agape love, the divine love of God, the Greek word should have never been translated. It should have remained agape. I really believe it would have made a greater impact upon the hearts and minds of people had it been left agape. Because when you would see that Greek word, you would know there is a different meaning to love. And it would make us study it a whole lot more, to find out a whole lot more about it. But anyhow, it says, He that loveth not God does not know God, for God is love. It's hard to imagine living in a realm where there exists nothing but pure love. 100% pure, absolute, unadulterated love. Free from any imperfection whatsoever. Can you imagine living in a place like that? Can you imagine living in an atmosphere where no one ever makes a self-willed decision? And no one is concerned about himself, but only concerned about the other person? And as a result of giving to others, that person's needs are all met. You see, beloved, we've not grown to the place that we recognize that fully yet. Because, you see, very often it's very difficult for us to make this transition as a Christian. When you first get saved, you know, you live by the rule, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You've been taught that in order for you to have, you better store up and save. Put everything away. Keep it for yourself. And the more you get, the more you keep it, store it up, etc., etc. You come to God's world, you live in God's realm, He says, give, and it shall be given to you. And you begin to understand that there are different laws and principles by which to live. I never could understand when I first got saved the need to give of my tithes, to give a 10% of my income to the work of God. And I thought, if I do that, then I'm not going to be able to pay all my bills and, you know, have all these different needs met in life. That is natural thinking and human reasoning. So if I give a 10% of my income away, that means I'm going to have less to work with. But you know what? When you look at it this way, it's more blessed to give than receive. And then as you give, you're sowing seed. And what happens when you sow seed? You reap a harvest. You start living in God's realm and by His principles, and you start giving out of a heart of love. And you know what? You open up an avenue through which God brings blessings untold into your life. And He prospers you in every way. It's just amazing. See, human thinking is not right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. God wants us to change our way of thinking and to change our way of living and begin lining up with His laws and principles. And one of the most important laws to live by is God's love law. Every single child of God should be practicing divine love so that we can grow in God. And live in God's realm. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And I want to answer the question, where do I begin? Where do I begin as a Christian? What can I do to set myself on the right course of action? Well, I believe with all of my heart, this is the beginning point. Every single child of God has got to make this acknowledgement in order for that person to begin living in the realm of God, which is love. Agape, divine love. In Romans 5 and verse 5 it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God. Notice, it doesn't say the love of your mother. It doesn't say the love of your father. It doesn't say the love of a child. It doesn't say the love of your pet. There are all kinds of love out there in the world. Isn't that true? Well, you know it's true. I mean, you know, you love this, you love that, you love this, you love that. And then out of the next breath, you love your wife. 
I love dogs. I love cats. I love automobiles. I love drag racing. I love, you know, and I love football. I love basketball. I love my wife. You can love monkeys too, and then I love my wife. I mean, what are we saying here? So you see, our understanding is limited with regard to what love is all about. Obviously, you're talking about different types of love in your life. You know, you have a love for different things. But when it comes to those that are dear and close to you, there's a different kind of a love that you possess. You can say, I love my son and I love my wife. Right? And you know there's a difference there, isn't there? Absolutely. Without a doubt. And so once again, that's why I believe the word shouldn't have been translated. Agape is the love of God, and that is a love unknown to human beings apart from being born again. No human being operates in the love of God without being born again. Because that verse says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given to us. And so the first step along the path that leads to living in God's realm is what? For me to acknowledge I have a new kind of love in me. I have the love of God in me. The love of God was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost when I was born again. That is the, the witness that you become a child of God. On the inside of your spirit, you receive something called the love of God, a divine love that you never before tasted, that you never before experienced before you came to Christ. Matter of fact, let's read that. Look at 1 John, again, going back to 1 John's epistle, and look at chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, say this with me as you're turning there. The love of God, the agape love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost and is in me now. Every single one of us has agape love. But you know, when God gave birth to us, He did not take away from us our free will. He did not intrude into our lives and say, from this day henceforth, you can never make a decision on your own. He didn't do that. He gave us His love, and He influences us to walk in that love, but ultimately, we've got to make the decision as to what we do with this divine love. That divine love can stay there and be dormant. It can stay on the inside of us and never be released and never influence the lives of others. It can just stay there and never be developed. And as long as that love is not being developed, we are not going to be living in God's realm. We are going to be living in the natural realm. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14... It says, we know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. I know that when I first got saved, when I was born again, the, the most powerful thing in my life was this overwhelming love both for God and humanity. What about you? Not only humanity, all of God's creation. All of God's creation. Can you go back and reflect, every one of us, when you first got saved? Was yours a genuine new birth? What took place on the inside of you? I'm going to tell you something, beloved. The reality of knowing God produced in me a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean to tell you, it was a consciousness that I know God. Not just about God, but I really know Him. He's given birth to me. I'm His child. I know Him. And then when I saw people... It's just like something took place and transformed, maybe them, but I don't, it wasn't them, it was I was tra trans transformed. I was the one who was changed. I began to see people through different eyes. When I saw people then, they looked different to me. The world looked different. I mean, the trees with the leaves looked more beautiful. I mean, the grass looked greener. The flowers, you know, were more fragrant. Life all around me, the sunset was more beautiful. But the thing is, humanity, oh, I viewed humanity so differently. Oh, I would look at human beings 
And in times past, when I was maybe, let's say, tempted to have a bad attitude toward humanity, toward people. You know, when you work in a mill, you're very tempted to develop bad attitudes towards people. Especially when you're a little bit more shy and reserved. You know, I used to say working in a mill was like working in another world. It, you left this world and went into the underworld. You know what I'm talking about? There was a furnace down there with all kinds of flames of fire and heat and all kinds of personalities to go with it. You know what I'm talking about. And my goodness, it's hard to even imagine that people actually live like that. As a matter of fact, I, this goes way back. I remember way back, way back before I ever got saved, I went to work on a construction site. And I knew this person on a personal basis before going to work there. Okay? And I had never known this person to possess a bad attitude or to demonstrate any kind of a character flaw. I mean, you know how you view people and you see that person and you think, oh, this is a wonderful person. I went to work with this person one day on the job. Matter of fact, he was responsible for getting me hired. And so I went out there and I began to work. It was like you, he took off one hat, put on another hat, and when that hat went on, it meant instant change. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Anything goes. You can be vile. You can be cruel. You can cuss. You can do... And when I started hear, hearing this person, the language of the person, the demeanor, the attitude, I saw everything change. I thought, my goodness, you think you know someone. You think you know someone. A transformation seems to take place. You know, like those transformers? Little car into a big old giant monster. That's what took place. I was in shock. I was never like that. If I went down to work, I was the same in the mill as I was before I went down the mill. And it was kind of hard to handle the people that began to act that way. And the opposite happened to me when I got saved. I began to see those same people with all their attitudes and all that ugliness, you know what? It was like God put it all in a melting pot. And I didn't just see them as, as people, you know, that were characterized with those attitudes and all that. I began to see them lost. I began to see them with compassion. I began to say they're that way because of who their father is. I said, I don't even blame them. Remember Jesus said, you are of your father the devil and you're going to lie and do all these different things because his influence is so mightily manifested in you. And oh, there was like an alarm that went off on the inside of me saying, help them get saved. You can't clean up someone's act. You've got to get them saved. You can't clean them up on the outside without touching them on the inside. And so you know what? I wasn't offended by them. And then you know what? The more I began to talk about... You know how they use the name of the Lord in vain? Anybody ever hear someone use the name of the Lord in vain? And you know how sometimes they'll use our Lord's name in vain? And you know, they'll say Jesus Christ, but not in the context that we say Jesus Christ. This, am I making myself clear? Well, when they would say Jesus Christ in a foul way, I would say is Lord. You know what I'm talking about? You talk about a double take? Do you know what I mean? And I still do that. Whenever I hear people, I just say, is Lord. Hallelujah. Well, if they can cuss, I can praise them. Amen. But the thing is, we want to influence people's lives. But you're not going to influence people's lives unless you see them as they truly are. Without hope and without God in the world. What I'm saying is, when agape got into my spirit, and it touched me in a powerful way, it melted me, first of all. I began to see humanity differently. And I began to see them in dire need of God's salvation. And you know, another striking thing that touched my heart in life was, after I got saved, was not only seeing people where I worked, but then also as I saw people that were supposedly churched people. 
I ran to some people that I thought would be elated that I'm born again. And I said, I just got born again. These were church-going people. And you know what they said? Stay away from him. He's a communist. I served the devil for 24 years. No one ever called me that. I accept Jesus Christ and say I'm born again. All of a sudden, I'm a communist. From a communist to a heretic to another Jim Jones. And I thought, isn't this challenging? I mean, there were many opportunities for me to become very discouraged, I'm sure, just like you. But you know what? It finally hit me like a slap across the face because I thought they were born again too. Then I realized there's also a professing group out there. Those who profess to be a Christian who have never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. They go to church. Do you know what I'm saying? But they're not born again. Didn't Jesus talk to the Jews? And didn't the Jews supposedly know God? But He came to His own and His own received Him not. They rejected Him. They didn't even know Him. Did you hear that? They didn't know the Messiah. And they were the taught ones of the Lord, supposedly. So you see, I began to see that these people out there that are church people also, they need to be loved. They need to know the truth. And God just put inside me a love for humanity. A love for people. Especially those that are of the household of faith. The love of God shed abroad in our heart will enable us to love people beyond human abilities. The love of God shed abroad in our heart will enable us to love our enemies with such an overwhelming force and an overwhelming power that they will respect you. Beloved, I had people where I worked down in the middle look up in my crane cab and say, there's something different about that guy up there. It looks like there's a light up in his crane cab. I never knew that until later on when I, a friend of mine told me they were discussing it. What happened to the little uh, crane operator up there? I was still little then. <laughs> what happened to him? You know. Well, what happened was I got saved. Do you see that? Now, not only did I see them differently, they saw me differently. And what did they see more than anything else? It was the love of God for humanity. I'm going to tell you something. If you really want to start touching base with this love and live in a higher realm, find someone that despises you. Find someone, that's not too hard, is it? Find someone who detests you. That would like to feed your guts to the dogs. And do something wonderful for them. I mean, this can become fun. The Bible says overcome evil with what? Evil? Overcome evil with good. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In other words, I like to say it like this. Sick God on them, not you. Did you hear that? Sick God on them, not you. You're trying to fight your own battles. That's the problem. Let God do it. Let vengeance be God's. You just love them. You do good to them like Jesus said. Then he says, they've got to answer to me now. You know, that's the truth. Where are we at here? Okay. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That is the evidence of the new birth. I know I'm born again because love was deposited into my being like I've never known before. He that loveth not his brother abides in what? Spiritual death. He's living in the realm of death. But he that really loves humanity is living in the realm of life. God's realm. It's loving beyond natural abilities and human scope. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. See? Hereby perceive we the love of God. I now perceive the love of God. Because He laid down His life for us. You cannot perceive the love of God. You can have no knowledge of the love of God apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. If you're really serious about knowing God and living in His realm... You cannot know the love of God without knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Why? He represents the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God's love. Did you hear that? Ephesians 3. He represents the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God's love. Of God's love. Not human love. 
He laid down His life for us represents love. That's how I perceive love. To what length would He go to? What is the breadth of God's love? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Can you see that? That is the love of God, that He gave His Son. So in the person of Jesus Christ is wrapped up the entirety of God's love. It involves the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of God's love. And I have a lesson out on that. You can pick that up and, be, you know, and learn more about that. But it's absolutely essential to know the, lo- the, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of God's love because you can only discover that in the person of Jesus Christ. And once you do, it will impact your life in such a way you'll find yourself trying to find someone to love with this kind of love. It'll make your household like heaven on earth. It will create within your marriage the same thing. A heaven-like atmosphere. A love that goes beyond human scope. It'll create within your family unit. A love and a unity that you could never imagine if you only begin yielding to it and allowing it to manifest through your life, through my life. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoso hath this world's good and, and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Did you hear that, beloved? Let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. What's that saying? You know the message. Your actions speak louder than your words. My actions speak louder than my words. It's easy to say, brother, I love you. I've had people tell me, brother, I love you, you know, and then just walk through the door and walk out and get into a car and go somewhere and talk evil about you. And so have you. Is that really loving someone? It's not loving them with the love of God. In other words, don't just say it, do it. Enact it. Carry it through. Carry it out in your life. And if we'll do this, verse 19 will come true. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts or persuade our hearts before Him. In other words, before God, we'll have a boldness and a confidence like never before. And that is saying this. Your practice of love will cause your faith to grow. Want to have great faith? Walk in great love. You have great love, you have greater faith. You can't grow in faith without growing in love. Let's put it that way. The more you grow in love, the more you'll grow in faith. It's likewise with me. Now, turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. The Apostle Paul was one who persecuted Christians before when he was Saul of Tarsus. He met someone on the road to Damascus, his name was Jesus, who appeared to him as being brighter than the noonday sun. That incident in Paul's life absolutely transformed him, changed him from within. As a result, he was born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in water, and began to to preach and teach the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was persecuting Christians... Now, he is promoting Christianity. Jesus appears to him on numerous occasions and begins to unveil to him his great plan for humanity. He shows him the debt of redemption. He shows him what happened from the cross to the throne. He demonstrated to him a love that Paul had never heard of and never known before. Now, this same apostle Paul writes to the churches, and he explains some things to them with regard to this divine love. And I want you to see this. He is saying to the church at Corinth that every child of God is to be under the control and persuasion of agape love. Divine love is to be the motivating force and factor in every child of God's life. And in so doing, that is, putting God's love first in your life, it will prepare you for His coming. And for your judgment before Him. In verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that 
he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Now notice verse 14. This is the verse. For the love of Christ constraineth us, or the love of Christ controls us, or compels us to do what is right. The people there thought that Paul was mad because he was loving people with a new kind of love. What about this? Paul the Apostle was taken by the people that he preached to at first, before they became Christians, outside the city and stoned to death. Stoned to death. At the province of Galatia, this mighty man of God was taken out. They didn't like what he had to say. And they stoned him to death. Have you ever been stoned to death this morning? No one here has ever been stoned to death? He was stoned to death, left for dead. They had professional stoners back then. I mean, some of them took pride in their aim. They would get rocks. The first accuser would throw first. And I mean, they would just stone a person until the person was dead. And they wouldn't leave the site until the person was dead. Well, they stoned the Apostle Paul, left him for dead, went back their way to their city. What does he do? God raises him up from the dead. He goes back into the city, the province there of Galatia, the Galatian churches that we know of right now. But he goes back and he's marked. His eyes are swollen shut from all the bruises. But he goes right back to the people and he says, I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. But I also want you to know that I love you. And I care about you. And although you killed me, the same Jesus I preached to you raised me from the dead. And he told me to go back to you and tell you how much he loves you. He doesn't want you lost for an eternity. Do you think that might have been a little cause, a little, just a little tinge, maybe 1% range cause to take account of the evil done to you? A tad bit, just a tiny bit? Would you be a little bit tempted to be upset when you went back to the same people that stoned you to death? Would you? A little bit, right? I thought so. But what does he do? He goes back. And you know what the Bible says? Now, I want to set the record straight on something, okay? People thought Paul had an eye disease. No, it wasn't an eye disease. His eyes were swollen shut from the stoning. His arms were battered. I mean, his body was bruised. Can you imagine what he looked like? Now, listen carefully. When he went back to the same people and preached the love of God, that love so melted their hearts, they said, we'd pluck out our own eyes and give them to you. We'd cut off our own arms and give them to you. I mean, to tell you, beloved... God's love is the greatest force in all the universe, but we've got to yield to it. We've got to understand it. We've got to have faith in it. We've got to believe in it. Oh, it may take a while to bring things to pass, but let me tell you this. The devil thought on Calvary's cross that he won the battle. He thought that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, that He won the battle. But I want you to know something. On that cross was living love. Love personified, taken to its limits. Okay? And on that cross, when Jesus, before He gave up the ghost, looked down at His accusers, looked down at those that executed Him, Looked down at those who really were God's own. He looked down at the whole bunch of them and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know people that live by the influence 
of darkness don't really know what they're doing. Did you hear that? They don't know what they're doing anyhow. But we get so caught up in the flesh at looking at all the faults and imperfections that people have, we overlook our own. You know, God wants us to make a break from that realm. We're talking about living in God's realm now. He wants us to make a break from that realm and start saying, I'm going to live in the realm of God. I'm going to live by a new standard. No matter what anyone does to me, I'm going to put into practice the love of God. This overwhelming love that still loves beyond human abilities. Beloved, can you see the need for that? I see the need for that. I know that I can manifest more of this divine love through my life. In various ways. And beloved, if I choose to do that, I will be living in a higher realm with God. And likewise, so will you, if you'll make a decision to do that. But you see, we have all kinds of forces arrayed against us to prevent us from getting exalted to that realm. All it takes is a decision to let the love of God that's in my heart to dominate our lives. And if I will choose to do that, beloved, then I will rise up to a place where I'll live in God's realm and reap the harvest of God's richest and best blessings. And so will you. And that's what he wants for all of his children. I want you to look at another verse in 1 Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. You want to live in health? You want to enjoy long life? Would you like to have a life worth living with peace inwardly and outwardly? Until a ripe old age, until you die and leave this realm of life? God has given us a way to achieve that. Did you know that? He has already told us if we keep His laws and commandments, we would achieve that in this life. So what people are looking for and striving for will be granted to them if they will only but live in God's law of love. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, I'm reading it from the Amplified. Above all things, above all things, and that means all things, with regard to our Christian experience, above all things have intense and unfailing love for one another. Listen carefully. How many of you believe in paying your tithes to the Lord? How many of you believe in forgiving people? And walking in forgiveness? Okay. And you believe in a lot of things. How many believe in the resurrection of the dead? How many believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? You believe in eternal life? You believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Okay. Above all things that you believe... Above all things that you pursue, Peter says, have intense and unfailing love one for the other, for love covers or prevents a multitudes of sins. It forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Above anything else in life, has someone wronged you this week? Slim chance of that happening, right? <laughs> sometimes it can be humorous, sometimes it can be devastating. But you know what? God is still saying, I want you to live in unfailing love. Love, agape, never fails. The temptation will be there to pull you out of that realm of divine love. But no, take a stand, a decision. For love is a decision of the will. And the person that says, I refuse to leave this realm, I choose to live in this divine love, will be a person who will reap the rewards of God's richest blessings in this life. And also in the life to come, you'll have great rewards. But he says here, above all things, have intense, unfailing love, this divine agape love. This is not human love, but it's divine love, one for the other. It will prevent and cover the multitude of sins. And what does that mean? If someone has wronged you, you know, you're not and I'm not supposed to go and broadcast that? Oh my goodness, there might be a degree of that still, do you think? Maybe a degree? Remember, God is absolute love. And we're wanting to emulate that. We want to live in that same absolute love. Is there any degree of revenge in you? Is there any degree of wanting to tell somebody what someone did to you that was wrong? 
You know there is. Because human nature will always want to tell how we've been hurt, how we've been wronged, etc., etc. Well, by what degree we choose to let go of all that is to what degree we'll have the love of God grow in us. See, love will cover the multitude of sins. Love will not want to expose the fault of another. Love will not want to expose the failure of another. Love will not want to discuss the faults and the failures of others in the presence of other people. Love will choose to hide the iniquity and point out the good things. Do you ever have someone come up to you and say, so-and-so is this and 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 this, and they're waiting for a response from you. Tell them they have nice eyes. But he has nice eyes. Yeah, but this and this and this and this and this and this and this. But I think I like the way he combs his hair. Keeps his fingernails manicured. What is love choosing to do? To see the best about the other person. That's what love. This is what agape does. Now, wait a minute, brother. You can't tell us that we have to live like that. I didn't. God did. And let me put it to you like this. You know what God sees in you? The devil's making you think he sees the worst. He gets you up in the morning, you know, shakes you on that bed. You wake up in the morning, all of a sudden, God has got his eye on you. He's looking at you through a magnifying glass. He is magnifying every fault that you have. That's how the devil makes you think. He thinks he sees, oh, you said something wrong here. You did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. That's how the devil wants you to think God views you. But you know what? The Bible says God sees the best about you. When you rise up in the morning, he sees the best about you. He sees that you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees that you're an heir of his, a joiner with his son. He sees that you're his very own offspring, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. You may be in human form, but praise God, you're dedicated to the eternal one who loved you and died for you. God sees you that way. You're His king. You're His priest, praise God. You're the one who offers and sacrifices praise unto Him. But the devil makes it look as though God is magnifying all my faults. No, God doesn't see us that way. If love covers the multitude of sins and God is love, what's God doing? With what? The blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He sees the best. Okay? It is the divine law of the new covenant, is it not? We are to love one another as He loved us so that the world would know. Why doesn't the world know yet? Because Christians fight among themselves. God wants us to begin to let go of all that petty strife. To let go of who's right and who's wrong. And stop insisting on our own rights and ways. And say, you know what, brother? I choose to put you above me. And if that's what you want to do, hallelujah and glory to God, I'll support you. Can you see that? If it's something you can support, of course. In other words, I'd rather do it this way. You'd rather do it that way. I give place to your way because I, now listen to this, I want to live in a higher realm of love with God. But don't teach them that because they'll want to outdo you in love. And if they're taught the same way you are, you know what they'll say? It's okay, brother. Do it your way. I want to live in this higher realm with God. And you'll stop and say, no, 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 no. I want to get up in higher. Can you see that? You'll be trying to outdo each other in love. Now you better get, watch out you don't get caught up <laughs> in the wrong motive for doing that. But you see the point? God wants us to live in a higher realm, but self wants to pull us down. Look at another verse before we close this thing. These are so important scriptures. In James 2 and 8. This is called in the scriptures by the brother of our Lord, the royal law. James 2. Let's start with verse... Five, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? 
But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? If ye fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law and transgressors. The royal law of love is what God wants us to live by. And if we will fulfill the royal law, I want to read it to you. Go on to Romans chapter 13. If we will fulfill the royal law, and you couple this with last Wednesday's teaching on all the blessings that will come your way, if you'll live in this realm of love, this realm of God, in Romans 13 verse 8 it says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another. We are indebted to God to love humanity. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Do you know what the blessings were for fulfilling the Mosaic law? You're blessed coming in, you're blessed going out, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed in the basket, you're blessed in the store, you're blessed in the fruit of your body, you're blessed in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your kind, and, and, and it goes on and on. You're blessed in your land, it's going to produce and, and, and overflow. The Lord will command the blessing upon your storehouse and prosper you in the way. It goes on. When your enemy comes against you one way, he will flee from you in seven different directions. These are the blessings that fall upon those that overtake those that keep the law. And he that walks in love fulfills the royal law of love. For, and the Mosaic law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, now listen carefully, very important, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. People that are not walking and practicing and living in love's realm are asleep. Are you hearing this? For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. See, get rid of all this. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is love, and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. When the flesh says, I don't want to believe the best about that person, what are we to do? Choose to. Choose to. And make no provision for the lusts of the flesh. You will fulfill the royal law and you'll prepare yourself for His coming. The night's far spent. Jesus is coming soon. Wake out of sleep. Walk in love. And let love have its way over your life. Now, how do we do it? We'll close it by stating this. Go to 1 Corinthians 13, again, where we started. And make a mental note of this at least. In Joshua 1.8, we are told how to be a doer of the Word of God. Right? We are told, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein by day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Doing starts with meditating and confessing the Word of God. Without confessing and meditating the Word of God, you cannot be a doer thereof. So therefore, you now know the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, my heart, and now for me to really begin to manifest this kind of love, I must make a practice of this spiritual exercise every day of my life. Every single one of us who wants to be strong in love and who wants to live in God's realm and reap the rich benefits of fulfilling the royal law of love, must confess and meditate the word on a, of love on a daily basis. In this exposition here in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 4 through 8, we have a revelation of this new kind of love. It's called agape love. 
This love is to, and these words that reveal this love should be meditated upon and confessed. I would suggest take your Amplified Bible, it gives you a better understanding, and confess it about yourself daily. And wherever it says charity or love, you say I. I endure long. Verse 4, I endure long. I am patient and kind. I am never envious. I don't boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I don't display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride, rude or unmannerly. I don't act unbecomingly. God's love in me does not allow me to insist on my own rights or ways. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not touchy, fretful or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness. I rejoice when right and truth prevail. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best about every person. My hopes are faithless under every circumstance of life. I endure everything without weakening. Everything in life without weakening. I never fail, fade out, become obsolete. I never come to an end, for I am the love of God. Now, did you hear all that? Now, you read all that, and you've got to start saying it. I've got to continue saying it about myself. I am ever ready to believe the best about every person. The flesh is ever ready to believe the worst about every person. Did you ever find that out? Someone says, did you hear about so-and-so? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.